0: Thank you, worship team. Thank you, everybody, for being here today. Uh, it, it's kind of one of those weeks, I think. I know there's a number of folks that are out sick, and uh, some who just had too much turkey, I think, uh, over eight. And if there are any kids up here who are, want to be downstairs to practice for the Christmas program, um, you can head down there uh, to the Faith Kids room. <laughs> I, yeah, I'd want to be down there, too. Yeah, I know. If there's any adults that want to go practice for the Faith Kids Christmas program? Uh, yeah, I feel you. I feel you. I, okay. Um, <clears throat> so it's just a it's an interesting time. It's a great day to be here in the house of the Lord. A couple of offerings for everybody to consider this Advent season. Advent the celebration of Christ coming both the first time and looking forward to his second coming is an opportunity for many of us to make Christmas more than just a consumer thing that it has become in so many ways. And so we've got a couple of offerings on the back table here. One, uh, the red one is a personal devotional for Advent that starts December 1st and goes to Christmas Day. So if you're interested in that, you can pick up one. And the second is a family devotional this blue one. Uh, it, it is a, both a book and a calendar with stickers. And so it is made for families with kids of all ages to from des, uh, take time from December 1st to the 25th to uh, go through the Advent calendar and uh, just see the Christmas story unfolding through scripture. So I encourage you to take One or the other, try it, please don't just grab everything on the back table uh, because it looks good. But consider which one might be for you and for your best usage. Uh, They are limited, so it's first come, first serve. Uh, I didn't get a whole lot because they weren't cheap, but I got, I hope, enough to uh, begin to meet the needs. A couple of other quick announcements. 1829. we will be meeting this coming Friday. Uh, Remember, we agreed to bring your favorite Italian dish. But do not bring a full, big lasagna, because then we will all overeat. So maybe half your recipe, and uh, that way we won't have a lot of leftovers. Uh, ladies, your Christmas luncheon is next Sunday from 1230 to 2 o'clock. I encourage you, ladies, to attend. It'll be a great lunch, as well as the opportunity to connect, find out who your secret sister was and get a secret sister for this coming year. And uh, if you have not let Shelly know that you're attending, please email her at, at faithlakeside.com. And finally, last announcement. We are going to have an open house inviting everyone to come and, and uh, just spend a few moments at our place uh, on the December 18th. Uh, and we'll have maps for you as we get a little closer. But just kind of mark some time off that Saturday afternoon, whether you come and drop in for five minutes or... The whole five hours, which I don't think you'll want to do because my house isn't that exciting. Uh, But we will have plenty of food, and so you can overeat while you're there. But uh, just mark that off and uh, know that we don't have a lot of parking, but we'll make work however we can and whoever shows. I mean, it's a Pittsburgh thing to just park in the streets anyway, right? So our neighbors do it. We'll do it, too. Today is the first Sunday of Advent as we celebrate the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now you guys remember last week we we finished up that uh, beginning of the second chapter of Philippians with that statement that the day will come while every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And this Advent season is our opportunity to remember his first coming and that promised second coming and how it should impact our everyday life and the things that Jesus brought for us in his first coming and will bring for us when he comes again. So today on this, the first Sunday of Advent, we are going to talk about hope and hope is is this interesting thing, isn't it? Because when we use the word hope, when we say the word hope, a lot of times we're talking about this, uh, well, I hope something comes to pass, or I, I hope this works, I, I hope. It's this dream, it's this, this uh, aspiration, this maybe someday kind of thing. But, <clears throat> excuse me, scriptural hope is completely different from that. But this is what hope looks like in our culture. This is a, from Emily Dickinson. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. Doesn't that sound so good? Oh, hope is, is such a beautiful thing. This is uh, Henry Ward Beecher. He says, hope is sweet-minded and sweet-eyed. It draws pictures. It weaves fancies. It fills the future with delight. And, and oftentimes, this is what we begin to think of when we think of, of hope. What I actually uh, appreciate more is someone who's a little more honest, like good old uh, Friedrich Nietzsche here. In reality, hope is the worst of all evils because it prolongs the torments of man. Uh, you know, and, and, you know we, we, we can fall prey to this, these cultural aspects of hope. Lord Byron says, but what is hope? Nothing but the paint on the face of existence. The least touch of truth rubs it off, and then we see what a hollow cheeked harlot we have got hold of. And and so we we have these differing perspectives of what hope is in our culture. It's either some fanciful bird or it's a hollow cheeked harlot. And it's so important for us to, instead of grabbing a hold of our culture, And its views on what hope is. We grab a hold of what the Bible tells us hope really is. And the Bible, though, it's not unrealistic. Because even Job, he says this. When when I hoped for good, evil came. When I looked for light, darkness came. I am churning within and cannot rest. Days of suffering confront me. My lyre is used for mourning and my flute for the sound of weeping. And so if the Bible says we're supposed to have hope, why would there be a verse like this? Well, because hope is not some sort of of pie in the sky, oh, maybe someday. But instead, it's this, this recognition that we are wretched, that we need to be rescued. And that's what Romans chapter 7, verse 24, that's what Paul writes. And so hope, what it is not is it's not some sort of unrealistic dream or aspiration that someday things will be better. Because that is not what biblical hope is. Biblical hope is not sitting back and crossing our fingers and saying, well, if God loves us enough, maybe someday things will turn out okay. But what biblical hope is, is confident expectation and anticipation that what God has promised will always come to pass. It is not a maybe someday, but biblical hope is, I know for a fact, one day it will be. And so when we read in Scripture and we talk about hope on this first Advent Sunday, and we talk about Jesus as the one who is our hope, We must understand that hope ultimately is God's redemption of the broken and sin-ruined, just like He promised. Brothers and sisters, God wants to redeem all of us fully and completely. And He has promised that it is possible and it will happen in our lives, both in the now and in the forevermore. And so we have these sure promises that we can hang our hat on. That we can have genuine hope in. Now, I wanted to look at a couple of people in this first Advent story that had hope. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And we're going to look at two people who met Jesus after he was born. Luke chapter 2, verses 25-25. Through thirty-eight, so in Luke chapter two, verses twenty-five through thirty-eight, what's already happened is Jesus clearly has already been born. He, his mother Mary, has already gone through the purification process. So it's been uh, uh, about thirty days since he's born, and his parents bring him to the temple in Jerusalem. And so Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25, this is what the gospel records. He says, it says this, There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple, When the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and glory to your people Israel." His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary. Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed and a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Verse 36, there was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So what we see in this this first advent, this first coming of Jesus are these two individuals who had been promised by God that they would see the redemption of their people. That they would see the Messiah come. Even, uh, especially here uh, with Simeon, he had been told specifically by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he saw the Messiah. So this man, Simeon, was a righteous, devout man who was looking forward to the redemption of Israel. And he was promised that he would live to see the Messiah. God had made a promise to him. And so what did he do in response to that promise? He lived in hope. And every day he was at the temple. Every day he showed up in eager anticipation for God's promises to come to pass. This is the picture of hope that we're supposed to be living out as believers. Not a sitting back and saying, well, maybe someday or it's possible, but instead to eagerly and willingly and devoutly show up in faith according to God's promises, believing that what he's promised for us will come to pass. And we're going to talk about some of the promises that God made in Christ and how that should impact us. And this is, this is uh, what, what Luke says that Simeon said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. This was a man who every day showed up in eager anticipation for the promises that God had made to him. And when it finally comes true, he's just like, it's all good, God. Thank you so much for being faithful to me. Thank you. I'm ready to to, to die now. <laughs> now that's kind of awkward, but you know, it's still good enough, right? I mean, for, for, for many of us, we, we, we sit back and we go, well, God, I've got this laundry list of things I want you to do. And, and we ignore God's promises. But Simeon, here he is. He has heard God's promises. He's shown up every day. And now he is content in his salvation. He is content in the fulfillment of his hope and the promises of God coming to pass in his life. And so he rejoices, even to the extent of saying, God, that's good enough. You can take me home now. Now, we see Anna. It's interesting. Uh, the scripture here says she was a prophetess who was well along in years. Now, some of our translations say that she was, uh, she was married for seven years and then a widow for 84. And some of our translations say, simply say that she was widowed And then was 84 years old. So if she had been married for 7 years. And then a widow for 84. She would potentially have been as old as 104. If she was married as early as she could have been. So um, that would have been really, really old for that era. But 84 actually would have been really, really old for that era. But here's Anna. Another one who is longing to see the promises of God come to pass. So what does she do? She doesn't just stay at home. She doesn't just expect the world to take care of her. She doesn't just expect others to, to, you know, do home visitation. And, hey, Anna, guess what we saw at the temple today? Instead, she is at the temple daily, waiting for the promises of God to come to pass. She is living in eager anticipation of what God wants to do in her life. And, and can you imagine being 84 or 104 in this era? I mean, this is just remarkable. And, and, and she's showing up every day. Waiting for the promises of God to come to pass. Every day. Some of us struggle with you know, showing up at church once a week. Today was a struggle for me. I got to tell you, I was, I was a little late getting going and uh, the shower, it felt really nice and uh, I didn't want to leave. I was, I was about ready just to call in and say, Hey, I'll zoom in a sermon or something. We'll be, we'll be good. Um, but you guys don't want to see me in my jammies. Um, anyway, and so here's Anna's response when she gets to see what has happened At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about Him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. She saw the promises of God come to pass in her own life. Her hope paid off and she begins to rejoice and witness to everyone who will listen. So we, we, we need to move to this place where when we think about hope, we're not thinking about some sort of bird and lilting feathers and, oh, maybe someday. Nor are we thinking about a, a barely up harlot. But instead, we, we need to understand that genuine hope is a sure thing that is built upon the promises of God in Christ Jesus for each and every one of us. That's what genuine hope is. And really, genuine hope is Jesus himself. He is our hope. Because when he came and was born as a child and lived a perfect, sinless life and gave that life on the cross and rose again on the third day, Jesus did such amazing things for us and established for us great hope. Paul says this, he says, uh, in introducing himself in, in the letter to Timothy, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God, our savior and of Christ Jesus, our hope. Jesus himself is our hope. Jesus himself is what we are to look forward to. In 1 Peter 1, 3, Peter writes this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We should be people who are living lives of genuine hope, like really eagerly anticipating the work that God will do in our lives. Showing up regularly, Believing that what God has said is true about us is true. And that the promises that He made will come to pass when we continue to submit ourselves to Him. The first place we find hope in Christ is hope for our past. Here's what's so cool. Is that there is nothing about you today That should be defined by who you used to be before you were saved. Because the day you were saved. The day you came to walk in Christ Jesus. You had this new hope. That you are a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. Now we should look back and and appreciate our past. I mean I know that so many of the things that, that I walked through. Have made me who I am today, right? And and I think you understand that about yourself as well. My parents' divorce was a formative experience in my life. And it has helped shape who I am today. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't trade the weird nights and staying at at mom's boyfriend's houses and and stuff. Because it, it gave me a different perspective on life. Uh, and if you want to know the details, I'll talk to you about them, but not from the pulpit. Um, but but <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> don't go too far, right? But, but listen, even my own mistakes, my own shortcomings, my failings, none of that defines me anymore. It has shaped me, yes. It has opened avenues for God to minister through me, absolutely. But it doesn't have to define me. And the same is true for all of you. Each and every one of you. You are new creations in Christ Jesus. This should be a great hope. Not a a hope, remember, oh, maybe I could be a better person. But no, you are a new person. You are a new creation. You don't have to be subject to those fits of rage that used to, to consume you. You don't have to be subject to that substance that used to own you. You don't have to be like you were because you're not the same person. That is the hope that Jesus brings us. And once again, it's not a, well, maybe someday I could. No, today you are. Jesus gives us hope for our past. But not only are we freed from the the power of the past through Christ Jesus, we're also given this amazing hope for our present. I don't know of anybody here who likes to sin uh, willingly. I mean, we we do it sometimes, we make choices, we fall into it, but then we regret it. And and the truth is is that, that we don't have to fall prey to temptation and sin. First Corinthians 10:13, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, "No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity, but God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation, He will also provide the way out so that you may be able to bear it." You see, the hope for your past is that you're a brand new creation. The hope for your present is that as a new creation, you no longer have to fall prey to the same sins and destructive habits and temptations that have always thrown you for a loop, that have always popped up again and again and destroyed relationships and destroyed hopes And destroyed finances. Instead, because of the work that Christ has done in you, you have the ability, brothers and sisters, to look temptation in the eye and say, no. Because of Christ within you, it's possible. Is it easy? No. (laughs) It's still a struggle. It's still a fight. Uh, The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 says, The very things I want to do, I do not do. And the things I do not want to do, I find myself doing. It's going to be a fight till the day we see Jesus face to face. But our hope for the present is that we are no longer subject and slaves to sin and temptation. But there is a way out if we will only take it because of what Jesus has done for us. So not only do we have that hope for the present, but we also know that we have a hope in the present that we have a Jesus who knows us and understands us. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, the writer of Hebrews says this, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. So this is a double negative in here. So he's really saying we do have a high priest who can sympathize with us one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. See, we have a hope for our past. We're new creations. What, what was defining of us is no longer defining of us. We have hope for the present in that there is a way out from sin and temptation and destruction. And when we need help to stand up and to bear up under temptation, we have a savior who understands us, a savior who can meet our needs, a savior that can can fill us with exactly what we need. In order to overcome and not fall prey to sin any longer. Now, practical applications for this, of course. It it, it should be easy, but sometimes it's it's not as easy to understand. I have this, this penchant for losing my temper. It's not as bad as it used to be. I've gotten much better. Not because of me, but because of the Spirit of God. Working within me and, and shifting and changing me but, but man, I used to have some issues And some days where When, when things got a little off My family would just kind of avoid me <laughs> I mean, to, to put it lightly, you know, bluntly they they just, just stay away from me because, because you never knew what would set Michael off and, and I finally got to the point where I learned That I didn't have to be that angry person anymore That when I felt out of control, I needed to spend time in prayer, not angry, trying to tell everyone how to fix the world, but instead submitting to the God who was in control and trusting in his hand of providence and his goodwill. I I think that we all can, can find some area of our life, some aspect where we fall down on a regular basis if only We would simply look at that temptation and say no and then spend time in prayer. We would find victory. We would find this hope for our present not being some sort of pie in the sky maybe thing but real victory in the moment as we turn to Christ. You've got an issue or two I bet. Maybe not. You guys are all probably better than I am. That's cool. I'll, I'll own that. But... But listen, it doesn't get better if we just think, maybe someday I'll be a better believer. Instead, we have to say, today is the day of promise, and I eagerly anticipate that your promise will come true in my life. I don't have to be prey to my fits of anger. I don't have to give in to my selfish desires any longer. I'm going to turn to you, Jesus. In this Christmas season, I'm not going to allow the the consumerism, I'm not going to allow the the push for gifts and the push for over-the-top everything to to drive me away from you. Instead, in all of these moments, Lord Jesus, I am going to come to you for what I need. You know, the, the, the problem with our culture is we are putting hope in a lot of things, aren't we? We're putting our trust in a lot of things. We're, we're, we're putting our hope and our trust in vaccines and, and masks and quarantines. We're putting our, our hope and our trust in politicians and, 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 and even pastors and teachers who end up falling. But I have to tell you that your Jesus, His hope is sure. His promises will not fail. And you can find the help you need in every aspect of life. John 14, 19, Jesus said this to His disciples and to us. We have hope for the present. Because He lives, we will live too. Doesn't that sound good? It's to understand that your risen Savior, because He lives, you too can live in every moment. Too many of us, we are not living We're just kind of making it through life. And I want to tell you that your Savior, your Jesus, the one who came as a baby in the manger, lived a perfect sinless life, died on the cross for your sins and mine, He doesn't just want you to be alive. He wants you to live. He wants you to overcome the sin that plagues you. He wants you to be the kind of Christian you long to be, but he needs you to stop thinking about someday, maybe. And instead, daily show up, trust his promises, and believe that you can be made new. Daily show up. Just like Anna and Simeon, people who had been waiting for the Messiah, for the truth, for the promises of God for years. They showed up every day until it came to pass. They had a hope that the promises were true. That's what we're to be doing as well. When we're fighting a sin, when we're struggling with something, we show up daily. We come into the presence of Christ. We ask for the help we need. We stand up and we say no to that sin. And we trust that the promises of new life and life abundant are true. What's even more exciting is that we have a hope for the future, a sure hope for the future. As much as we celebrate the first coming of Jesus in Advent, we also look forward to his second coming. We look forward to the future when Jesus will return on the clouds and he will be king over all creation finally and redemption will be made complete. Acts 1 11, the angel speaking said, Men of Galilee, why do you... Stand looking up into heaven. The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. In other words, Jesus is coming back. He will return to make all things new, to finish the job of redemption. And so all of this sin and suffering that we're still making it through on a daily basis, the day will come where we will be given new bodies part of a new creation and we will be made whole in Christ Jesus forever. And so as much as we have this, this awesome promise that we are new creations and our past no longer matters and that we have the ability to stand up against temptation and that Christ will give us our needs for the moment in order to walk in godliness in our present. We can hang our hats on a future where he will return and make all things new. Revelation 22:20. 20, he who testifies about these things says, "Yes, I am coming soon." Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The older I get, the less I want him to wait. Uh, I'm, I'm more ready today than I have ever been. And it's probably going to keep, keep getting that way, right? Because um, it's just like, can we just be done? I'm like, Simeon, I've seen all I need to see. Take me home, Jesus. Let's finish this thing. Now, there's still a lot of people I'd like to see know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior before final judgment comes. And I hope you have the same perspective. There are people in our lives who need the hope of Christ Before the future comes to a conclusion. But until then, we have this hope, this promise, this sure thing. All things will be made new. Jesus will come again. So, this first Sunday of Advent, as we light the first, as I try to light, as I hope I can light. uh Aha! There it is the first candle, the candle of hope. The one that reminds us that Jesus is our hope. He is our hope that overcomes our past. You are not a slave to your past any longer when you are in Christ Jesus. If you are struggling with that, it's time to crucify the old person, to get rid of the old ways, to understand that that is a done deal when you are in Christ Jesus It's time to be a new creation. Jesus is our hope that gives us strength in the present. I've been sick or a little under the weather the last three or four days. And it really has helped to remind me how dependent I am upon God. When my body has not functioned quite right um, and and I just haven't felt great, that there is no other hope than my Savior. Because because it is that, that to live is Christ, sustain me, heal me, make me whole, to die is gain. If this is the end, oh, let it be a good one. (laughs) Jesus is our hope that gives us strength in the present. And Jesus is our hope that guarantees us, guarantees us Not sort of, not maybe, not possibly, but guarantees us a glorious future. Now, I do have to say that this is not a hope that just comes because you're a person and you're alive. But this type of hope only comes for those who put their faith in Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so if you have never come to the point where you have trusted Jesus as your 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 God, your savior, understand that he died on the cross to absorb the wrath of the father, to pay the price for your sins, to shed his blood so that you might be forgiven. And then after dying on the cross, he was buried and rose again on the third day. And and that he is king over all creation. If you understand that and you've accepted him and you've made him the ruler of your life, then this is your hope. If you have not, this hope is not for you until you do. And so if you want this kind of hope, you want this kind of freedom, you want this kind of, of ability to stand up and say, I know that God's promises are true. Your first step this Christmas season is to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Psalm 42, 11, Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Too many of us, too often, will walk around dejected, And in turmoil, forgetting the hope we have in Christ Jesus. Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. This Advent season, do not walk around dejected and in turmoil. And whether it's for the first time or for the first time today, put your hope in God. Praise Him, your Savior and your God. We wait for the Lord. He is our help and shield. For our hearts rejoice in Him because we trust in His holy name. May your faithful love rest on us, Lord, for we put our hope in You. Jesus is our hope. This morning if you need to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the first time, or to rededicate your life, I want to encourage you to find someone that's here with you, to grab somebody you know and just talk to them about it. And if the two of you together need somebody else to talk to, then you can come find me or one of the other elders. But I want to encourage you to not allow today to end before knowing where your hope lies. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank You for this time. We thank You for Your Word, which is alive and rich. Mm. Today, on this first Sunday of Advent, help us to remember that Your Son, Jesus, is our only hope. He is the one who gives us hope to overcome the pains and the failings of the past. He is the one that gives us hope to stand firm against sin and temptation in the present. And he is the one that will return again, our final hope to bring, bring new life and to make all things new. And so, Father, this morning, we rejoice in the hope that is your son, Jesus. Help us this Advent season to remember hope. To not allow ourselves to be in dejection and turmoil, but to put our hope in you in every circumstance. Lord Jesus, You are our hope. In Your name we pray. Amen. Understanding how God is pursuing you in love, will you not respond in hope and show up on a daily basis believing what he has said is true, claiming the promises he has for you, understanding the old is dead, you are a new creation, able to say no to temptation with the perfect hope of a future that is sure and amazing. Jesus, is our hope. Show up daily in eager anticipation of what he wants to do in your life. God bless you all. See you guys throughout the week. We've got Monday night Bible study. We got Wednesday night ladies this week. Uh, Thursday night student ministry. And then Friday night is 1829, as well as Sunday Bible school next Sunday. So love you guys. Celebrate the hope that is Christ, this first Advent Sunday. God bless you guys.